Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. May the peace, mercy, and blessings of Allah subhanahu be upon all of you. Welcome to Islam and Life, and thank you for welcoming us into your home and joining us in these important conversations that we have on this show. My name is Maymuna Hussain, and we welcome you from our studio here. I, we also want to remind you that our uh, episodes are all recorded and they are available on podcast for you to listen to as well on uh, several platforms that you'll see just come across the bottom of the screen there. Uh, the other thing I want to uh, remind you is that uh, this is a live show where uh, our viewers can call in as well as uh, send in your questions to our guests uh, either on the YouTube chat there or join us on Zoom. You can find us on the meeting ID, meeting room ID, which is 905-822-2626. So as we begin, let us begin with Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. We begin with the remembrance and we praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and let us begin with some verses and recitation of the Holy Quran. for the Khalid, you are joining us online. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. How are you? Alaikum salam wa rahmatullah. sister Maimuna. I'm still in Turkey and uh, I am uh, 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 finding it uh, interesting to join here at 3.30 a.m. Uh, from Istanbul, Turkey. Uh, however, uh, it also gives me the opportunity to uh, uh, view uh, the discussion and uh, and uh, the, th the things that we're discussing today from a more Ummah perspective, inshallah. Okay, I want to ask you to uh, talk to us a little bit about our critical question of the week for our viewers this week and kind of situate us in it. Well, that's, that's a good test. So the question we have uh, for, uh, for our audience today to think about, and, uh, and we, we want to uh, encourage this thinking of uh, uh, basically, uh, of course, we are all very conscious of the halal and the haram, and uh, we make uh, the decision, inshallah, that pleases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But there is also a value to understand the wisdom and uh, the uh, to understand our uh, Sharia and understand uh, uh, Islam as a way of life. So why would Muslims uh, and or why do Muslims uh, uh, not uh, engage in celebrations uh, that are not Islamic, not only from the side of the uh, halal and the haram? Like, why do they make the choice of not celebrating events such as uh, Valentine's or uh, Halloween uh, uh, when they make when they make this decision. So I believe that these are uh, uh, issues as we live in, as we live in many different societies that have different opinions and different views and different lifestyles to uh, to make these choices for ourselves and for our children. 
and understand uh, uh, where do these choices come from. So the question is, as Muslims, why do we choose not to not to participate in celebrations as Brother Khaled is sharing, such as Valentine's Day or Halloween? So send us your thoughts. You can email us at productions at macnet.ca. You can also send us your thoughts on our social media platforms. So whether that's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, send us your thoughts. Now, uh, let's talk about tonight's episode. So this evening, we continue our special series on Islam and the family institution. Um, and a couple of weeks ago, we had talked about the marriage institution with our guests, Dr. Jasser Auda and Sister Hale Benani. Uh, and then last week, we spoke about uh, the conversation on homosexuality and gender identity with our guest, Sheikh Mustafa Omar. And of course, if you missed any of these episodes, uh, you can find those online and you can also listen to the podcasts. This week, we, have, we continue to have our conversation on the family institution in Islam, and our conversation is on parenting, um, Allah-centered parenting, and so parenting through an Islamic framework. Um, and again, reminding you that you can engage with our guests and send in your questions throughout the episode tonight. So before we go into our conversation, uh, let's take a look at what our research team has put together for us. Parenting is a tasking yet rewarding mission. Throughout the Quran and Sunnah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has provided believers with a guide on how to form a bond with one's children, as well as how to raise them to live a God-centered life. One throughout which their primary purpose is seeking the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through worship and good deeds. Parents play a pivotal role in the upbringing of a child. Although, as Muslims, we understand that guidance only comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that our duty as parents is limited to the influence we have on our children and not the result. We also understand that we are held accountable for the effort and sincerity we put into raising them. The Prophet Muhammad said, A man is a shepherd in charge of the inhabitants of his household and he is responsible for his flock. A woman is a shepherd in charge of her husband's house and children, and she is responsible for them. According to Dolan Eric W. study on how parents act on their religious beliefs linked to the onset of atheism and their children, it was shown that children who witness high levels of credibility-enhancing displays in their parents are more likely to believe in God with more certainty. CREDs are formed when parents worship with the same commitment and regularity that they teach their children. Also, when the actions of parents are consistently religiously driven, such as truthfulness and charity. The example that Muslim parents set both in the home and out of it has a notable impact on their children's conviction and practice of faith. Parents must strive to acquire a comprehensive understanding of their faith in order to play their role to the best of their ability. The prophetic parenting model promotes teaching children the concepts of tawheed, meaning oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ikhlas, meaning sincerity in all actions, akhlaq, meaning good character, adab, meaning proper etiquette within the Islamic framework of justice and compassion. It also promotes quality time with the children as well as healthy open channels of communication. Muslim parents are encouraged to build their homes as a sanctuary where the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is abundant. The Prophet Muhammad said, The house in which the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is made and the house in which Allah is not remembered are like the living and the dead. 
Similarly to every other deliberate action we take as Muslims, parenting requires sincere intention as well as seeking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's guidance and protection. This is demonstrated through the supplications of one's offspring even prior to conception, throughout life and for future generations to come. An example of this in the Qur'an is the supplication of the mother of Maryam who sought protection in Allah from the evils of shaitan for her unborn child and the future progeny to come. As translated from Surah Al-Amran verse 36, I have named her Mary and I seek your protection for her and her offspring from Satan, the cursed. Tonight we will be discussing parenting within the Islamic framework with our guest speakers Sara Atiyah, Principal of Olive Grove School and Ronya Lewindi, CEO of Action for Humanity Canada. So uh, we actually have uh, Brother Khuram Khan who will be joining us instead of Sister Rania Lewendi tonight. So uh, Sister uh, Sara Atiyah is the principal of Olive Grove School. She has also served at various capacities with the Muslim Association of Canada at the National Executive. She has led the national youth uh, efforts as well and uh, has led IRISE, an initiative focused on um, uh, children and youth's tarbiyah which she'll be talking about uh, later this evening as well. She serves on the board of directors for NACI. And uh, we also have Dr. Khuram Khan. Dr. Khuram Khan serves on the board of directors for the Muslim Association of Canada. Um, he is an associate professor of medicine at McMaster University. And uh, he is also an advisor to Islamic organizations and an Islamic lecturer in the community. So we are happy to have both of you this evening uh, with us. And uh, we want to get into this conversation. And I guess we'll open it up, inshallah, to have you both maybe uh, comment on how do we actually, as parents, nurture uh, resilient Muslim children? And I'll have both of you as you're comfortable share on that. All right. Uh, this Thank you, Go ahead for the photo. Go ahead, Sister All right. Jazakumullah khairan, Sister Maimuna. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Uh, that's a big question to start off the discussion, and I and I think it has a lot of different um, uh, um, parts or or layers to talk about. Um, as parents, as educators, as you know, community members, we have a collective role to nurture our young people to uh, to to become the best Muslims that they can be, uh, and as you said, resilient young people, inshallah. As parents, as we're talking about parenting today, it's important for us to think about the. Um, uh, the different phases that our young people uh, are, that our kids are going through. So if you have younger children, what does that mean for our, our, our uh, in terms of developing that resiliency and that strong Muslim identity as they grow older? We look at different uh, things that impact them and then when they're young, their youth and then in, into their young adulthood. And I think it's important for us to be very intentional with our parenting. And I think that's something that as parents, you know, mother and father in the household, that it's something we need to think about and discuss early on and agree upon a framework that, uh, that uh, we build our home on. Uh, that starts with us first, us as the adults, as the role models in the home. Um, and I, I think the core of it, and I hope we get some more time to talk about this, is the God-centered piece, what's the title of the show. Uh, and so grounding our home uh, grounding our relationships as parents to, to one another and grounding our home in uh, around the, the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is the identity of a Muslim, is really what sets the framework or sets the basis for 
building uh, uh, or helping our, our, our children connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I think that's the, that's the, the, uh, the basis of it. And when we talk about resilience, there's, there's all different facets there that we can talk about. But I think it's that, that, that pride in being a Muslim, that yaqeen or that certainty that Islam is, the, is the, our success factor. Um, and again, there's different ways to, to build on that as our children grow. Um, but I would I would really think say that those are the that's the main that, that the, that's the main piece around it that we are intentional in our parenting that our home is centered around Allah subhanahu wa taala and that there's an, a collective agreement in the home on how we're going to raise our, our kids inshallah. Jazakallah khair, brother Khurram. I will invite you to add to this. <laughs> Thank you, mashallah. Thank you for the invitation as well. And uh, it's a wonderful topic and a very important one for all Muslims. Uh, as we all come from families and the family institution is really a pillar of society it's the unit of the society that the rest of the, the society grows from so it's very important i would just even go further to beyond the muslim home it really begins with the individual the idea that the muslim himself or herself strives and in, the, in a marriage relationship when you have a husband and a wife and they're both of their focus is to be the best of themselves to strive and in their learning and in their actions and in their deeds then you you have this common mission and there's a there's a sort of synergy that can occur with and this is the beautiful example of the family where if both uh, both parents are on the same mindset and the same track they'll both help each other become even better versions of themselves and this is the beginning of the muslim family uh, then of course we have the example that the prophet gave us uh, which is the example of the uh, the stages in, in how we parent based on, on the ages of the children and the different phases of life that they go through. And this is a, a critically important hadith and a lesson for all Muslims to understand. Uh, and this is a, a famous and well-known hadith, but I'll just share the, the meaning of it briefly with uh, with everyone. The Prophet ﷺ is reported to have, have said and instructed that for the first seven years of the child's life, the parents should play with them and nurture the bond and the relationship of love and trust. And thereafter, the next seven years, once that bond is there, that safety net uh, and, and love exists between the, the parent and the child, uh, the next seven years between the ages of seven and 14, roughly, is when the the relationship of, uh, of education and teaching really begins. Now, that's not to say we don't teach them in the first seven years, but there's a, a way of teaching and being methodical about, about teaching. And once you have that love and the trust, those next seven years, and these are also the seven years where a child will go through the, the stages of life and, and uh, maturity. And so those, those questions come up and, and the understanding of the child and the mind of the child grows. Uh, we want to be there to be the teachers for them. And the last, uh, the last part of the hadith is the, the seven years after, which is from 14 and really onward, is to be their friend to befriend them and and like a good friend would do you act as their their compass uh their support uh someone they can lean on and that relationship again is built on on growth because really none of us are are, are growing and none of us stop growing we all grow even as adults and the nice thing about a friend is you grow together with that friend and i think that paradigm is, is so fundamental for the muslims to understand uh, about the muslim family if I may ask a quick follow-up and just also to be a little bit give a little bit more practical examples so part of parenting is also setting up an environment so what do I what do I consider as I create an environment for my children 
an environment that enables them to grow into strong, uh, independent, and resilient uh, Muslim children. So, environment factors that and that I can uh, that I can create or, or build at my house. Thank you, Brother Khaled. That's that's a very important question. The environment is is not an easy one to answer or to, to even explore in, in this uh, scenario, but it's based on certain principles. And I think in the introduction was mentioned that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala focuses on the effort and uh, not necessarily the outcome. So our job is to strive with our best way to to make that environment. And it's different from family to family based on number of other factors uh, like cultural factors and uh, extended family. Um, but our job is to do our best. When, when, what that means, I think, is is really first again, it begins with the self. So the children are uh, they're they're, they're uh, expert observers. I'm sure we, we see this. So they will observe everything, and therefore it becomes very important that we as parents uh, are really like not on our best behavior, but the idea that we give the best example, and don't let them because one of the things the drawbacks is that they can have uh, expert observation, but they don't have expert interpretation. And what that means is they may see us doing things that we may understand or understand the limits of what we're doing and why, uh, but they may not. Um, so that's that's one aspect, again, beginning with the self. I think the other the other key point is to have an environment where we don't we don't become the reason why the children uh, question um, not question, but the reason why they, they don't. The, the children are on a fitra. They're on a, a natural state which is a state of submission, we believe. And so if, a, if a, a parent is doing something to block that fitra from the child, um, because if we were all left on our own, uh, we, would, we would naturally come to the idea of belief. And, it, and what we have to be careful about, especially is in the environment that we don't block that fitra from, from flourishing and from recognizing the signs of the creator or from asking questions. And sometimes we, we have to be very careful about this not uh, blocking questions that are important for uh, for children to be able to ask. Um, so I want to, I, I don't know if Brother Khaled, if you had a follow-up or if I can move. Yeah, please uh, uh, go ahead, Sister Um So I think the other question I wanted to go into uh, and move along these practical aspects is, and I think both uh, uh, brother Khuram, uh, Dr. Khuram Khan and uh, Sister Sara here are talking about um, is, is the, the modeling, so it's your own personal development as parents as you're nurturing that uh, within your children. Now, there's other factors, and that is the external world around them. Um, and so how do you make choices for them, and how do you navigate them in the world around them you know, even simple choices like extracurriculars and those types of things. So moving along the practical and now also thinking about that external. And maybe Sister Sarah, you can start us off. Yeah, just like Allah khair and Sister Imuna. And, uh, you know, I agree with what Brother Khuram was referring to before about that, that, that modeling as a parent as well as that open environment where, where, where kids can ask questions, can make mistakes. And so, uh, Sister Imuna, you're talking about the idea of... Um, uh, uh, balancing those experiences for our kids and I think balance is the key word I think it's important to acknowledge and, and as a parent myself I'm a mother of four kids that parenting is it can be very challenging and can be very difficult and it can vary depending on your child you know my four kids 
they're all very, very different. All those same, you know, environment, same home conditions, same mother and father. Um, but each of those children will require, you know, different strategies, different tools, different approaches. And that's the beauty of uh, the Islamic tarbiyah model, right? And, and when we, we think about the word tarbiyah, which is the Arabic word for nurturing or upbringing of our children, uh, the Islamic framework of, of that is, 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 is very unique. So what is that terbiyah or that change or that nurturing to? And that's what we, th we think about. What's that delta or change? Like what do we want to achieve with, our, with, our, with our, our kids' upbringing? And as Brother Khuram said, it starts with our own self. What, what do we want to become as, as people? And, and really what it is is to align with the Quran and Sunnah, to align with la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. Now that seems quite simple, but with everything that's happening in the world, that, that could be very difficult with our young people and, and with our kids, and we have to work hard to, to work on that um, from a young age. So I think that idea of, of tarbiyah, as, as, as Dr. Khuram says, starts with our own selves. And if you look at the example of the Qur'an, it, if we look at the da'wah of the different prophets and how they called people to Islam, and even with their own children and the different stories, we see that there's, and the scholars speak of the different tarbiyah approaches. You know, and the Quran is a perfect combination of, you know, love, uh, tarbiyah through love, tarbiyah through motivation, tarbiyah through encouragement, tarbiyah through, you know, uh, um, uh, consequence, right? And so as the Quran speaks to the human mind and the human soul with those different motivation and, and, and uh, factors, this is what we learn with our, how to deal with it with our own kids. And so sometimes we, you know, it's an approach of love and care and, 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 and as Brother Khuram said, in the young age, we really believe that the most effective thing is love and love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's what we should nurture our kids around. Uh, later on and, and, and early on, we bring in factors of, you know, consequence and accountability. And so when you speak about, uh, uh, Sister Maimuna, about what it means to uh, provide the environment and provide the, the experiences to allow our kids to develop or, or to give them those different opportunities where there's that combination, um, I, I think it's it's important for us as parents to look at it from a, a, ver a very balanced and uh, holistic approach. Um, so sometimes we tend to over to overprotect. So you know we don't want our children to fail. We don't want to put them in difficult situations. So we have very controlled environments. Uh, so we so we put them in extracurriculars and our activities that they will succeed in, and we'll, we're almost walking in front of them so that they don't fall. And it's really you know it proves very quickly that that we cannot do that all the time because life and this is part of our own aqidah is full of tests and we are going to be tested and they're going to be tested so we have to teach them through our tarbiyah through our nurturing of them how to how to fail and how to recover and the first and foremost way to teach them that is through role modeling and through teachable moments and so they they actually as dr khuram said will will observe how we respond to crisis situations and we'll all go through that you know a death of a family you know a loss of a job a bad day Right, and, and we're uh, parents, we're human, we make mistakes, we have our good moments and our bad moments, but we have to you know, try to intentionally try to work on modeling how to be resilient in those, is, in those, in those times. Um, at the same time, um, we have to give them opportunity to, to, to try and to, and to maybe fail once or twice and help them make sense of it. So it's so important after some difficult moments, you sit down and take it apart for your, young, your, your child in an age-appropriate way, depending on their age, and explain to them what's happening. Um, right, so that they can learn to fail and, and to, to, to recover. I think that's the, the number one 
um, uh, 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 you know, thing that we need to focus on as parents is that we teach our, our, our young people, to our, our kids to recover from difficult situations, as well as, you know, to stand alone as Muslims. Because this tarbiyah that I'm talking about, to align with the Quran and Sunnah, will be challenging in this day and age. And so again, those conversations, those, those, those uh, um, um, uh, opportunities to come and discuss and to take apart some of these difficult things and have these conversations. And it needs a, fa it needs a community. We can't always do it. Um, alone. So again, finding those other things, going to the halakha in the masjid, taking your children to the masjid, you know, giving them those different opportunities, either Islamic school or, or, or weekend school, um, uh, having other families that you meet together so that we can t uh, help each other with, with raising our children. So grandparents and extended family. So providing those larger circles of support that can help you in that mission, right? And, and not everything might align in those circles, but there'll, there'll be enough alignment there to help um, uh, so I don't know if I answered your question. I think I went everywhere a little bit, but uh, there's some things that we need to consider when, when working on balancing our, 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 our kids' experiences, inshallah. It seems that you answered uh, all the questions for the show now. <laughs> Sorry so about that. let me ask, ask the questions in the, in the, opposite, in the opposite way. So uh, uh, sometimes it's easier to learn this way. So how can we avoid messing up? What can we do to mess up the terbiyah of our uh, of our children? Uh, and uh, there are several dimensions. Of course, there is the dimension of uh, being too strict versus being too lenient uh, and spoiling uh, spoiling spoiling my kids. Uh, there are the dimensions that relate to making them too independent versus being uh, extremely uh, controlling or uh, giving them specific. Uh, very limited choices and very limited uh, uh, so uh, things along these lines and I think uh, one of my favorites is basically how do I uh, change my change the re my relationship with children from it being in uh, a transactional relationship and a continuous uh, negotiation I think many parents uh, have the same uh, have the same challenges and uh, because uh, parents almost never win when it is a when it is an argument or a negotiation. So uh, how do we, uh, how do we avoid missing up? That's, that's a great question, uh, Brother Khalid. How to avoid messing up? Again, the, the premise is that we do our best effort. The outcomes are in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We know uh, many examples of uh, um, even prophets whose children didn't end up uh, following the right way uh, mentioned in the Quran. and. These are the, the examples that are given to us as, as um, even the most righteous people, the prophets uh, who are given guidance directly. Um, they may not have uh, been successful at, at successful in our, in our uh, terms, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah is the one that guides uh, to the straight path. So we do our best effort. That's the, the first point. Um, and, and whether or not we mess up is, is uh, kind of out of our hands. But I'll, a couple of points to, uh, to add or to, to look for. One, one is to always be positive. And I think we have to balance the idea of always being positive and giving children encouragement with the risk of being too transactional. So sometimes it's, if you do this, we will give you this. And if, uh, you know, if, if you pray five times a day, you'll get this. If you fast, you'll get this. If you uh, have good behavior, you'll get this. This type of transactional relationship is, is actually quite dangerous. And our focus really, again, is to bring them back towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's pleasure specifically as opposed to our specific uh, goals and pleasures that we might uh, set for them. 
So what 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 I what I mean to say is we uh, the transaction has to be uh, reframed in a way that's more positive. So I'll give you an example. This, this comes up that uh, uh, the children are fidgeting during the prayer, for example. This is a specific example, but I think we all experience this, and we want them to concentrate and focus. And one of the things uh, we might do is after the prayer ask them why why can't you stay still for the the few minutes that it takes to to do the prayer uh the, the reframing of this is really focusing on the parts of the prayer that they were focused in and to say that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would be very pleased to see that you did that sujood or that the part of the prayer that they were very uh, focused in and attentive successful and the next time you can try to increase that even more and more and, and, and we take away the transactional approach with a, a positive and a forward-moving approach with the children. And this will keep them focused on the right ambition, which is to get the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to seek the mercy and love. Uh, uh, not the love for the parents, but the, the, the love for, for the Creator and, and achieve that high state of, of being a Muslim. And we, we demonstrate that ourselves. But being positive, that's the key thing. The other thing is, um, the second point I, I, I talk about is the idea of opportunities and finding the right opportunities to find a teachable moment. And this is a trick, and it's not really easy. But if we can look for those opportunities, those memories where the child will be able to have a, a moment that reflects in their heart of, I learned something in this moment, or I connected with my, my parents in this moment, or I understood something in this moment. And I'll give you an example from the, the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ in a hadith uh, by Umar ibn Abi Salama, who was one of the uh, the children at the time who would be with the Prophet ﷺ and be one of the, the uh, uh, companions and look after him as a young boy. The, uh, the companion narrates a hadith where he says, I used to have my hands in the food when I was eating. And one time the Prophet ﷺ said to me, uh, oh boy, before you eat, mention Allah's name. Eat with your right hand and eat from the part of the, the, the food or the plate that is nearer to you. And so these three moments, these three examples were were, were um, emphasized in one teachable moment. And it's those kind of moments that if we can find, can have the most impact and uh, and connect the children where, where, uh, where they should be connected with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Jazakallah khair, Brother Dr. Khuram, for these practical uh, pieces of advice. I want to remind all our viewers tonight that you can ask your questions directly to our guests. Um, and if you would like to do that, you can uh, type your question in on YouTube if you're watching on YouTube. And if you want to join us uh, live and ask your question through a Zoom room, you can do that. Find us uh, meeting ID 905-822-2622. Uh, now moving along with these questions, uh, with the, this conversation, um, having you both, uh, Dr. Khuram and Sister Sara, uh, as mother and father, you, you know, as parents, um, I, I, the question that comes around also is parenting boys and girls. You're both parents of uh, multiple children, um, and so uh, you know how. How do you approach this, and how do you think about this? How do you navigate uh, uh, this process of uh, nurturing, um, you know, Allah-centered parenting, and thinking about this uh, when you parent uh, boys and girls? Are there differences? Uh, maybe we'll start with Sister Sara and then move to Dr. Khulam. Yeah, so this is an interesting question because there's actually a lot of research out there that will speak about, if we look at education, 
All right. There's a lot of research coming out about, you know, how education systems impact boys and how boys learn and how girls learn. And, and there's a lot of discourse and, you know, difference of an opinion and, uh, and trends coming out from there. But if we look at the Islamic framework um, and look at our responsibility, like so, you know, first and foremost, these children that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to us as gifts, they're an amana. So we need to frame um, our, our approach to parenting in that sense of amana or responsibility towards really trying our best to help uh, um, our kids um, navigate this world and become their best. And sometimes that measure of success, uh, we measure by society's measure of success. So we say, you know, if my child grows up to be, you know, a successful doctor, a successful engineer, a successful professional, you know, I've done my part. You know, I've given them the best education. There, you know, the, and yes, that is part of it. We want them to be independent, you know, strong, you know, young people who can stand on their own two feet and who can, you know, self-sustain their their homes and their lives. But when we look at either our, bo our sons or our daughters, uh, we should look at the, our measure of success as you know, them being, becoming uh, young Muslims or, or, or adult Muslims who, first and foremost, are connected with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and live Islam to its fullest. Second of all, have a role, and, and, and it's you know, an extension of the first part, are agents of change, have a role in society and, and to, do, and to, and, and to do, make important change in our communities. And so when we look at our sons and daughters and, and we work on those different pieces to help them gain that understanding and gain the experiences and the tools that they become, um, first of all, when we look at the, the gender, the boy or girl, um, uh, uh, I think before that, we look at the different personality of our kids to see or, uh, how we can support them to be that. But we should also look at you know, our boys and girls and to what role they're going to play as adults. And as I said, they're going to be Muslims with a strong Muslim identity and connection with Allah subhanahu wa agents of change. And then, inshallah, we want them to grow to be, you know, healthy members of a family, right? To be mothers, to be fathers, to be parents themselves. So what does that mean in our tarbiyah, in our, in our parenting? It means that we have to prepare our young men uh, to be fathers and, and those who are going to support and take care, caring fathers who are able to support and take care and, and be those family members that our, our, our society needs and that Islam has taught us and, and, and to be like the Prophet Sallallahu and his model of that. So that starts from a, from a young age to make sure that they understand what it be, means to be a Muslim man, what it means to be a Muslim man that will have the responsibility of a family. What does that look like in terms of you know, uh, uh, care, responsibility, uh, agency in terms of what they do, success in their life and their, and their akhra. Similarly, our young girls, we want them to grow to be strong Muslim women who you know, are, are making change in the world. So we have to prepare them for that. But we also want them to be mothers uh, and who will, be health, will support strong homes uh, and, and help raise the next generation and be partners to those young men that we talked about and to do great things. So those nuances, there's, there's slight differences in, in, in the roles that we want them to play. Obviously, as I said, number one, Muslim identity, strong belief systems, and making a difference in their societies. But prepare them to, uh, I think we can talk, we can have a whole session on you know, the different problems that we have in our society now and, and how gender roles have uh, the lack of clarity um, and how homes are broken and how Muslim homes, you know, have been impacted by all of this. So I think we should be, uh, uh, we should look ahead as parents and we should help build the next generation so that we have strong families. And so there's a lot of that um, that we really need to think about. And I, and I can talk a lot about this, but I, I think just as, you know, some, some, some guiding points, uh, and there's some books that are being written in articles, and I think it's very important as parents that we look into this, whether we have boys or girls, inshallah.
Thank you so much. Dr. Khuram, I'll invite you to also share your perspectives on this uh, as fathers and, and you know, <coughs> what your perspectives are for us uh, in terms of thinking about, uh, you know, is there distinctions in how we approach and raise boys and girls? You know, Brother Khuram has a special event uh, planned uh, this weekend. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, it's really special. It's a father-daughter father, uh, camp or retreat. So uh, maybe... Maybe you can tell us why he did this, and it's linked directly to the question. Well, I have to, I have to have full disclosure. We've done a number of father-son retreats, so my daughters uh, okay, good, said, good. "What about the father-daughter retreat?" And so, inshallah, we're having this uh, soon as well. But one of the things I think we, Sister Sara mentioned this as well, is uh, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala created the man, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala created the woman, and the, the man is not the same as the woman; they're different. But that doesn't mean that they can't do complementary roles, or, the, or they can't have different uh, positions. Um, certainly, we see this in modern society and Muslim families, and and uh, there's nothing wrong with this, first of all, that uh, a woman can earn uh, money and have a career and have a profession. The, the, the essence of what I, I think the question uh, lends it to is they are different. And in fact, every child is different. Uh, within the boys, there can be different differences. Within the girls, there can be differences. And what we want to be able to teach them is the importance of being a model uh, Muslim, being a model citizen, and being a contributor. And and part of that contribution is contributing in the family life. Um, and really, the, the essence of family life, as, as anyone who's married knows, is that this is a team. And in, in a team, there's, there's give and take, there's understanding, uh, there has to be, or the family unit itself, the, the marriage will be weakened. So what we, we, we should really focus in, f focus for them, and, and one of the things that I try to do practically with, uh, with them is we even talk about how the children, even when they're in those, those teachable years, we ask them, how do you see your family uh, being? How many children do you want to have? And of course, they're biased by their, the size of their family and their, their, their cousins and their families. And just to hear their perspective and plant that seed of, Oh, you know, I'd like to have a, a few children, not a, not a big family, or maybe I want a big family. And what does that mean? Well, how are you going to handle that? Well, it, it takes a lot of uh, hard work and, and the risk from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to come for you to be able to support the family. Uh, so you have to work hard. You have to work hard in school. You have to, to seek for good opportunities for employment. And so all these questions come about from this idea. Uh, and you give them the example and and find out what their, their, uh, their thoughts are about the family and the roles. And again, each, I, th I find anyways, each child is very different. Uh, specifically, how do we strengthen the bond with the, the, the boy or the girl? Um, I, I think it's, it's, um, it's good old fashioned hard work, spending the time and the energy to get to know the child, what their likes are, what their dislikes are, what their tendencies are, uh, what their fears are, and explore those with them and get to know them. And if you, if you respect those things, and what they're thinking about, they, they will respect you as well. And it's a, and, and if, if there are things that we want to improve or change, one of the most important principles, and the principle in Islam really, is the idea that change is something that occurs gradually. And so when we talk about moving the uh, position or the ambition or the, uh, the struggle that a child may have, it, it has to be something that we appreciate is done with gentleness because the Prophet ﷺ was very gentle with, with anyone the, in, that he interacted with. I, I gave the example of the teachable moments and there's other examples from a hadith about how the Prophet ﷺ interacted with 
with young people or even with older people to teach them in a, in a very gentle way but also in a gradual way and uh, from the Quran we have this beautiful example uh, people often say well how was alcohol uh, for example forbidden for the Muslims uh, because we know when when the Prophet came alcohol was very common and widespread and this is just an example to teach gradual change uh, but those stages where there were four distinct stages that took place in four specific verses in the Quran uh, that highlighted the the transition from alcohol was okay to alcohol was forbidden and it's a very instructive example for for believers and for parents about how we we make changes uh, if, if we want to achieve a durable response which is which is through gradualism through gentle uh, minded approach and uh, this is a lesson for all parents and of course myself first and foremost uh, brother Khaled we cannot hear you sorry I was saying uh, just if I may summarize what uh, what I am hearing from both of you is that uh, uh, for, there are uh, common things uh, for boys and girls and that uh, resonates with their role as Muslims and and we're focused on uh, uh, making them uh, and nurture them into being uh, Muslims who have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the center and as the reference, as their guide and fulfill the responsibility of Muslim and that's common for both. But also we prepare them for their respective roles as men and women of Islam uh, taking into consideration these uh, variations that come from uh, uh, from how we view uh, uh, life through an Islamic uh, through an Islamic lens. So let me take it to uh, another um, uh, fun uh, fun aspect in in parenting, and that's uh, especially for fathers is a bit more challenging, and that's uh, initiating and engaging in uh, conversations or teaching them through conversations. And, uh, and, uh, and I always joke about this, the, uh, the funniest is the father-son uh, conversations that uh, you can actually time them uh, under the minute. So uh, how do we engage in uh, conversations? And you can see also the extreme opposite of uh, basically everything is a conversation and everything takes a very long time and I can't get them to do this or I can't get them to do that without, without uh, basically taking a low degree. So, so, uh, so basically what is how can i use conversations and uh, into uh, building and shaping uh, my children and then how do i engage in difficult conversations so let's take the example of for example uh, participating, participating in uh, in, uh, in uh, basically uh, discouraging them or explaining to them why are we not engaging in these kind of celebrations that uh, necessarily Islamic like uh, Halloween or uh, Valentine's thank you brother Khaled that's a difficult question as you prefaced <laughs> thank you for asking though because it is a, it is an important one uh, in terms of I can tell you from a medical perspective uh, this is a common uh, uh, kind of um, 
common issue how when you do a medical interview how do you get the information from the patient um, and there's certain principles that we use we and and these are many of these are, are islamic principles too the prophet when he would talk to someone would turn his entire body towards them such to give his full attention to them i think that's very important we can't have these meaningful conversations while we're you know looking on our on our phone and trying to uh have a conversation it doesn't work like that so the idea of being involved and engaged uh, that's the first and most important uh, thing and having the right intention you're there to help the child to to strengthen the relationship and then the other thing is the the way the questions are asked uh, i think open-ended questioning is is the best way the kinds of questions that are not single answer uh, questions and th this has to do more with about the the hows and the whys uh, rather than the, the the what's and the who uh, because the the, uh, the they open up dialogue and allows you to explore and the one thing uh, if uh, if we just focus on listening rather than talking, this will allow the, the the flow of information to come towards us as we we hope for. Sometimes when we want to have a conversation, we forget that uh, it's not it's not one way. It's not from us uh, outward. So I think these are some some basic principles: giving the full attention, using an open-ended approach, and and sometimes just being silent and and listening. Uh, the best, uh, the best thing we can do is really listen to our children. That's that's when they know that they have your attention, as opposed to them being lectured or being told by you uh, something or taught by you something that that doesn't uh, doesn't really stick, and it's not really that that's their time that uh, that's being valued. So it seems you're leaving the difficult question, uh, difficult conversations for Sister Sar. The other part of the question. <laughs> So there's, uh, thank you, Brother Khurram. So I, I agree with Brother Khurram, subhanAllah. Like, I think if we look at the prophetic example, the social emotional intelligence there, um, that how he approached children, like there's examples of how the Prophet wasallam approached children. The example that Brother Khurram said to, sh uh, you know, that, that, that the hadith that he said and, and how he taught that young boy how to eat the adab of eating. Uh, SubhanAllah, if you look at the, the, the hadith, there's very little lecturing and there's so much like teachable moments and, so and short learning through examples. I think it's so important for us to, as, as parents as, uh, and, and, um, to really try to maintain an open communication. It gets a lot harder as our kids get older and I know there's a lot of challenges when they hit preteen and teen years, but we have to try to work on it from the younger years. And as Brother Khuram said, you know, you have to listen you have to, I know I, I want to add to that, you have to sometimes be vulnerable and share your own emotion and say, you know, when I remember feeling scared um, in, in a s situation and apologizing when you, you know, you've made a mistake or you've done something wrong. So opening up your own heart to your child so your child can open up their heart. We even tell teachers at school that, you know, a child can sense when the teacher loves them and cares for them, you know, and, 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 and parenting is obviously, you know, even much more. So when we open our hearts to our children and show a little bit of vulnerability, it does come back to us. Not, not always instantaneously. And tarbiya or nurturing our kids is not always, you won't see the, 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 the fruits of that right away. But the, that connection that between us and our children will remain there. Also creating those opportunities. I remember when I was growing up, I come from a large family. You know, I used to wait till I'm in the car by myself with my mom, so because that was the only, you know, the time I could have one-on-one -on -one time with, with with my mom. So we li we live, and I know this. You know, I talk to many parents about this. We live such busy lives. You know, balancing between our works and our lives and our extracurricular and this child and that child, and so sometimes having that ideal one-on-one -on -one time with with our kids isn't doesn't happen. But just trying to create it right when we're doing something together before bed, um, in the car. 
and having those conversations. And, and, and you know, I have older kids who are, you know, t hitting their teenage years. Some, many times they won't be ready to talk. And just saying, you know, I'm here to talk to you. I'm here to listen when you're ready to tell me what's going on and maintaining that confidentiality a little and, and, and letting them feel that it's, you know, it's going to stay with you if it's, if it's something that they don't want anybody else to know in the household, right? And, and obviously you have to make that judgment call when you need to bring in the other parent. Um, the other thing which I think is really important is to, is to never show shock, right? Like if they come and talk to you about, you know, a friend who's going through something really bad or some, a bad word they heard at school or some, you know, depending on their age, you know, try to manage your emotions. If we overreact, uh, that's a signal to our kids that, you know, I can't tell mama about this bad thing that happened at school or I can't ask that question because it's off limits in our home. And so it's, you know, I tell, you know, I tell myself and I tell people that there's no contradiction between compassion and clarity and not compromising. So we can show compassion to our children and to people we work with or, 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 or youth without compromising on our belief system. So we can show love and care and empathy when talking about difficult questions without compromising on our principles. And, and it's a very fine line and I learned this the hard way. Right, we can, and, and, and so that's, and that's leaning into the second question that Brother Khaled asked about, you know, when there's those difficult moments where you really have to put your foot down. You've done the discussion and the negotiation and, and, and the empathy and, and shared emotions but at, uh, and validated emotion, but you have to say this is unacceptable. And that's our role as parents. We have to sometimes put our foot down and say, I'm sorry, you know, Habibi, I'm sorry, Habibti, you know, we don't, we don't do this because, um, uh, we're here to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this act or this celebration or this you know event doesn't align with pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the way we're you know in our in our home and 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 so I know it's hard and I know you're not happy right now but this is something that we so you have those discussions you have those you know and and that child might be really angry at that moment but then inshallah later you can come back and and reframe it so I think those conversations are, are important but as as parents the people responsible in the house we sometimes have to be firm and clear in, in what's right and wrong and make those hard decisions when our kids are not ready to do it on their own. So it's about that balance, inshallah. Jazakallah khair, Sister Sara. Um, as we start to kind of uh, wind down on this, uh, there is a question that we received from a viewer, and that is uh, perhaps even taking from what you were saying, Sister Sara, about clarity. You know, we may have a clear, clear vision or understanding of how to how we want to raise our children. Perhaps we have, you, you know, we've referred to these uh, resources Islamically and our references. However, when dealing with the real world, there is often a disparity. And so how do we then deal with what's happening externally um, around us uh, with multiple worldviews that our children are being exposed to and then kind of still maintaining that clarity in how we parent and making sure that that clarity is then translated uh, to our children. So uh, that, that's a question from our viewers and I'll let, uh, let either of you answer inshallah. Do you want me to go first, Brother Khuram, or are you ready to go? Sure, uh, okay. please go ahead if you have. Okay, so just to build on what I was saying, subhanAllah, um, there are going to be difficult moments when we, because our neighbors do not share, may not necessarily value systems, our, you know, our, the larger community, you know, doesn't always. Interestingly, right now, Muslim to Muslim peer pressure, if you look at the study, is, is, is on a rise for teenagers, right? Because our Muslim community has grown so much here in Canada that sometimes, you know, Muslim young people are being negatively influenced, negative peer pressure from other Muslims. So there's many times where you're going to have to say, 
um, um, this is not right and other people might not you know be aligned with that and I think there's one of the very uh, most important things that we need to teach our kids from a young age that there's going to be moments that we're going to be different than other people and there's going to be moments when they're going to have to stand alone right and it's hard it's very hard to get our young people our, our kids I, sorry I, I, I keep thinking about being in a school our, our children to to be ready for those moments but we have to help them through it and so there's many times that you know we're going to have to have open conversations that all of us are on a journey. We're all on a journey to, uh, uh, to, 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 to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we may have different rules, different decisions in this house than other people might have. And, and that's okay. And sometimes it's going to be easy and sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable and that's okay. Uh, there's also a really good technique where you find other families with similar value systems. You know, maybe your own sister or aunt or uncle, grandparents, friend. Uh, as kids grow older, or even in their young ages, it's important for them to have several trusted adults in their lives. Sometimes mama, they see her every day at home, and she can say things t till, you know, until she's blue, and it just doesn't feel right. But when khalto or auntie tells them, because they, they have a special place for that khalto, they're ready to hear it. So it's, it's an it's a important strategy to have those people in our community uh, that can be those trusted adults for our kids when we need a second voice to support our positions and i found that to be quite effective and so build that team build that village that will help support your 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 your, your parenting and kind of tug on it when you need it and we can do that for each other right so that we're supporting one another um, when we need to inshallah it's so difficult now though uh, sister sara it's a great point about the, the it takes a village to raise a child but uh, how do we do that when we don't have the the baker anymore and we don't have the uh, the mechanic in our in our village it's all uh, you know industrialized and it's a it's a blessing in some ways but a challenge to have that experience one of the ways practically we we do uh, the same idea is to have those close families uh, our, our kids carpool with with other parents and we, we know they have these these this time with them that uh, they're good people they share our values they'll have some discussion when it comes to this question that was raised by the viewer and thank you for the question but uh, the, the the idea that how do we we have to be clear about what's right and wrong uh, outside the home and and again make it a teachable moment um, that when when we're taught about what's we we should be uh, oh oh sorry <laughs> crap uh, what we should be doing um, in the um, Oh my God! Sorry, okay, sorry. I was uh, okay, just, just okay? yeah, yeah, just a cramp from uh, spasm. Sorry. Uh, the idea when when we're in the in the world, uh, the Prophet taught us that if you see something that is not right, you should have really one of three positions, and this is a, a thing we should be talking about with our families. We either, if we can, we change it with our hands. Uh, if we can't do that, then we 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 say something about it, or we change it, make a change with our with our mouth and with our tongue. And if we can't do that, we hold it as wrong in our heart. And the important thing here is we, we hold the, the sin or the action wrong, not necessarily the individual. Because we're all the, the children of Adam. We're all the creation of God. And, and, and God the Almighty, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, will, will give guidance to whomever he pleases, whenever he pleases. And so the, the person or the individual that's, uh, that's in this position, which may be away from our personal values or our, our values as a, as a Muslim community. We don't hold the person uh, specifically. We look at the sin, and that's the three the three steps that we should be taking. Uh, and this should be very clear. And again, we look for 
I, I think these are opportunities where we look for teachable moments to talk about what's right and what's wrong and how this is uh, in line with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the God-centeredness centeredness that we want to have. Um, the other point, though, just go back to what Sister Sarah was saying, which I think is, is excellent, is not to show any shock. Right? Uh, again, I'll give an example from the, the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ in a hadith. It's a very famous hadith where a Bedouin, someone that was not familiar with the uh, uh, Islam or the teachings of Islam, came to uh, the masjid. And uh, they urinated in, in the corner of the masjid. Now, you can imagine someone doing this. And, and as, you, as you would expect or may not, would, may not have expected, but the companions, the most righteous companions, who were uh, with the Prophet at the time were very upset. They were shocked. They some had withdrawn their swords uh, to and and what the Prophet uh, showed us in this beautiful example, which there's many many benefits and lessons from, was he he stopped them, and he brought the the level of tension down in the masjid, and the first thing he said was, uh, let the man finish uh, what he's doing. And there's even just many benefits in this, but the idea that he was the calm in the storm. And as Muslims, especially Muslims living in the West, but really anywhere in the world, we have to know what's right. We have to know what's wrong. We have to know where there's gray areas. There's a famous hadith about this as well. But th this knowledge will prepare us, and we have to have the resilience to know when to, to be able to calm things down for the children and give them and find them the teachable moments, as was the example of the Prophet ﷺ. And the Prophet also uh, encouraged action after this calm by asking the Sahaba to clean, uh, to clean it up, throwing sand over, and then teaching, teaching him after. So that's the, that's the balance that you both are referring to. We don't have much time, but there is an important question that we would like to, we'd like you uh, to deal with. Uh, and because really, uh, especially as Muslims and as Muslim communities, who uh, resonate uh, many of the aching in many different parts of the Muslim world. Uh, and, and, and subhanAllah, because we are uh, Muslims are everywhere, so we share pains uh, uh, throughout the world. And, and the most recent is the earthquake in Turkey and uh, how many people lost uh, loved ones and uh, devastating, devastating uh, stories and pictures and, and, and all this. Uh, so how do we balance uh, and then prior to that there were the floods in, in Pakistan and other other and many other uh, uh, situations in Palestine and otherwise so how do we balance uh, nurturing and raising our kids to care uh, about uh, uh, affairs of Muslims and be, be proactive on this side uh, and also uh, while also uh, dealing with or teaching them how to deal with these difficult calamities or uh, difficult tests and tribulations that peoples are facing. Uh, sometimes it's difficult even to explain. So how do we how do we make this uh, balance and how do we make them deal with the calamity and uh, from one side and also uh, uh, proactively be caring about uh, Muslims everywhere? Sarah, do you want to start? Sure. So this is something that I've been really thinking about a lot as a mother and as a principal because, you know, of an Islamic school where we, we, it's incumbent on us to, re, to reframe and to uh, make sense of these situations for our students and for my own kids. Um, and we cannot ignore them just because we live in Canada and move on and shelter our kids from them. I don't think that's the right approach in any way. 
And so I thought about it deeply and, you know, looking at the different ways to reframe. There's so much opportunity, subhanAllah. It is a, 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 a crisis and, a, and, and it's devastating on so many levels, but it's an opportunity to ground our kids, our students, our, our, our children in the correct framing of why, subhanAllah, these things happen. Uh, so that, because, you know, so that they can understand it. So our kids will pick up on things that are happening in the world. They'll hear the, tele the, the news, they'll see our reactions, they'll hear other kids talking about it. They're not, you know, we might think that they're, they're, they're protected from it, but they're not. They pick up on a lot of this. And if we don't reframe and make sense of it, at least to a, to a certain level, they're going to draw their own conclusions. And so it's so important for us to take those, time, those times to, and so my youngest daughter, um, you know, she heard about this, she's heard about it, us, us that I was talking about it, so she was very scared to go to sleep. It's very scary to think about a whole, you know, homes crumbling, people dying, people losing everything. And I, and I struggled at that moment to think of the words to comfort her. I mean, even us as adults, it's, it's becoming very hard to make sense of it. But again, if we think about that God-centeredness, that our very basic aqidah concept that we need to ingrain in our kids is the idea that, that we were created to, to, to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, and we will be tested. And our ultimate happiness is in Jannah. And so to basically tell her, I told her that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to test all of us. And this is their test. And you know what? Those people that died, they got the VIP first class tickets to Jannah. I told her that. I said, they got Jannah, inshallah, they're shuhada. Now it's on us right now to think about our own uh, uh, course of way to Jannah. So what are we going to do to find our place in Jannah? And number two, what is going to be our role to help the people who, you know, who struggled through this? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a wisdom. I told her he has a special reason that we don't understand that, that these things happen. And he speaks about, and on the day of judgment, we'll understand that reason, inshallah. He'll give us that clarity. But those people have Jannah, and we have to think of our way towards Jannah. And what can we do to help? And so I took her, I took my kids to the store and we, we started buying, you know, I knew that we could, you know, if we donate online, that may be more useful, but we started buying things to, to help out because action, giving them action to make change helps heal and helps give them a purpose and helps teach them what to do next, right? And when, when the next crisis comes their way. So I think uh, explaining it through our, our, our aqidah lens, why these things happen, telling them that you will also be tested in a way, and let's get ready for that test by connecting for Allah, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, making dua together, because that's an action in itself, doing, doing some kind of volunteer community service to help make a difference, and also talking about them as our Muslim brothers and sisters. We have to care about them, we have to help them out. And so bringing all these different ideas together and, and showing them how to do it. And, and I think it's hard. And depending on the age of the children, we'll talk about different things. Our older kids in high school, we talk to them about the sense of Allah's control and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in control and how we have to remember that and so on. There's so many different facets and I, I know we're, we're, t we're tight on time. But again, grounding them in those belief systems, having an action uh, 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 associated with it and talking them through it uh, to help them make sense of it, subhanAllah. I know we're uh, running out of time, but if Brother Khurram wants to, do you want to add something, Brother Khurram? No, I think that's that those are all excellent points. Uh, I, I think, you, you, like you said, we have to be observant at the same time. Uh, some some children are affected uh, differently by by these calamities. Uh, for some, and I think one one thing we can do and should do is we don't do this enough, and and it's the point of just making du'a. Uh, in 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 a, in a very public and open way that they see that we as individuals are are supplicating and praying uh, for the uh, 
the ease of the difficulty from from these situations and that again just that if they can witness us caring about this kind of thing in addition for for from buying things and making donations uh, but that real that dua and the the care and concern if they can see that they'll they'll uh, ex- benefit uh, extremely inshallah so we should remember that in, in addition to what everything sister Sara mentioned thank you I really enjoyed the conversation and uh, pass it back to Sister Mamuna to close. So this was uh, part of our series on the institution of the family within the Islamic framework. Um, and we had uh, Dr. Quram Khan and Sister Sara Atiyah tonight talking to us about parenting, Allah-centered parenting. And you can uh, watch this again, of course. It was very beneficial and it will also be available on a podcast. Join us every night. Thursday evenings, 7.30 Eastern Time, live here for Islam and Life. And uh, Brother Khaled will ask you to help us do a closing du'a, inshallah. Yes, inshallah. And uh, next week, Sister Maimuna, as we do, we're going to discuss, inshallah, uh, how do we combat uh, racism uh, through or from an Islamic uh, perspective, inshallah. And we uh, close by asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept those who were martyred uh, in his highest uh, levels of paradise we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to ease the sufferings of everybody who's been affected we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bring the Muslims together and to bring all humanity together to support one another in uh, these kinds of tests and uh, calamities we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for guidance and for uh, support in uh, doing what is best uh, for him and what pleases him inshallah سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصدق جزاكم الله خير السلام عليكم ورحمة الله Life is an online production by the Muslim Association of Canada.